Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. My name is Movie Mike, and on this episode, I am talking all about movies that deserved a sequel. These are all movies that were very famous, did really well at the box office, movies we all know and love, but for some reason, they just never made a sequel. In some cases, it was probably a good idea, and in other cases, it's like, what are they waiting for? It's a missed opportunity here for a great movie. So we'll talk about those, and I'll even kind of break down what movies you can maybe expect a sequel to come down the line. So we'll get into that. I'm also going to debut a new segment where I have an idea for a movie, and in this case, it fits in with the sequel theme, and there's a famous comedy from the 2000s that I think maybe would work placed in 2020. I'll also get into a movie review doing a rom-com that is on Netflix right now called Love Guaranteed with Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayans Jr., and also the best movie trailer I saw this week is a brand new Adam Sandler movie and it's coming soon to Netflix and I think it actually has some potential even if it seems ridiculous. So we'll get into all that. Thanks for listening. Hope you're subscribed to the podcast. Hope you tell a friend and without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so on this episode, I want to talk about movies that deserve a sequel but never got one because my favorite news story that came out last week was that Borat 2 was secretly shot and it's ready to go. And he pretty much filmed this whole thing without anybody knowing. So the guy behind Borat is Sasha Baron Cohen. He does a lot of just undercover stuff messing with people. And that's basically how the whole first movie was filmed. He's done other characters this exact same way. He even did a show last year that was pretty controversial. So... For him to be able to pull off this movie and have really only one person find him out and realize, hey, look, that's Borat in costume being followed by a camera crew is pretty impressive. And I just think it's cool how this came out that the movie is already done, ready to go. There's no release date on it yet. 
But that's a pretty famous movie that came out back in 2007. And I'm excited to see that sequel. And I think the reason it took so long was probably because he's just so recognizable. Like if he's in that costume, people are going to know it's him, know it's him doing the character and he's filming for a movie. And it essentially ruins it because once everybody knows what's happening, you can't get that same reaction. So I guess giving it this amount of time to pass allows for that character to come back maybe some people forgot maybe some people never saw the first movie and now he's able to kind of do this role again i think a lot of the jackass guys i find this comparable to because when they go out and do stuff they can't really play pranks on people anymore because people know them and they're so famous that's why they kind of use disguises now but now they're kind of coming back with that jackass 4 too so this is kind of in that same ballpark it's now enough time has passed to where they're able to do a sequel. So I'm excited for Borat too. I think it'll be funny because Sasha Baron Cohen is very creative, knows how to get under people's skin. And the first one was so ridiculous, so controversial that I just am excited to see what he did in this movie, like what extremes he went to. So this is a movie I think a lot of people wanted to see a sequel to, but for that reason, never got one. And now we have it without hopefully having to wait a whole much longer to see it come out in theaters. So I just wanted to revisit some movies that I think the first one was so great. And for some reason, we never got a sequel to them. I came up with a list of my own. I also asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter. So if you don't follow me over there, it's another reason to follow me just so you can get in on this too. And I mixed it up with movies too. There are some of these that have a possibility of someday having a sequel. And there are some of these where basically there's no chance they'd ever make another one of these, but it'd be kind of cool just to think about. So I'll talk about the originals and if there's any kind of expectations to have a sequel or if it's like, all right, we just have to accept the fact that we got one and let's just enjoy that. And there's also another layer of this that I kind of think that sometimes we think we want a sequel and when we get one, we're like, oh, that wasn't that great. We just should have left it alone. I think there's two sides of this too. So there's also some movies I want to include that sequels came much later down the road and we got them, and it was like, okay, that wasn't very good. So I want to get to those two. But first of all, let's start with one I think was at the top of the list when thinking about this. And it's a movie, iconic from the 80s, about a group of boys going on a treasure hunt, and it's The Goonies. Now, the first one came out 35 years ago, and it's, dare I say, one of the most perfect movies as far as it has everything you wanted. It has adventure. It has comedy. I like movies with a group of kids that... They're kind of innocent, but also kind of bad, too. And this is one that a sequel has kind of been tossed around here and there over the years because there's been a lot of time to think about it. The director has been saying that there is always a possibility for a sequel. They even, like, threw out the idea of turning it into a musical, but yet there's still just no real talk of them doing a sequel now. But the good thing about this one is it's so far away from the original. I kind of see a resurgence in revisiting some movies like this because... When you're so far, like 30 years down the road, I kind of see what happened with the latest Bill and Ted movie. You can almost go that direction of take the original characters, make them older, and bring in their kids to the picture. And it's almost, dare I say, it could write itself of, okay, you have the original cast, they're older, they're the parents, and their kids go on the adventure. I think there's still some potential there. Also with the Goonies, you could totally spin it off and maybe just kind of allude to the original movie. Maybe give it the kind of Ghostbusters treatment to where you come back and it's all, all girls in the group. You know, it kind of switch the roles with that way. I also think this is one that people would get very upset about if they did a remake at this point. 
so I think the sequel would be the way to go. I think remaking the original would be like, okay, you're taking a classic and kind of just rehashing it again. I think there's potential for a sequel here. Again, there's no talks about it, but such a huge movie for it not to get a sequel. It's pretty crazy. All right, one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies was Inception, and I have to admit, I didn't get it the first time I watched it fully. I had to watch it a couple times, but there was just so much they could have explored here in a sequel that I know Christopher Nolan doesn't do sequels to his original movies. Aside from the Dark Knight movies and, you know, all the Batman movies, his other movies just stand alone. There's no ever talks of them being sequels. He's thrown around the idea of like, you know, I wouldn't do an Inception Part 2 I would only do it as like a video game, which really makes no sense because we want to see more of the story, mainly because of how it ends and it kind of leaving that door open. Okay, like what happens next? And in the world of Inception, I think there is a lot of uncertainty of like what was happening at certain points of the movie. And there's just so much to explore with this idea of a dream inside a dream inside a dream that you could explore an entirely different plot line in a sequel and have it be so different from the original. But again, you look at this cast, Ellen Page, Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think it would be kind of hard to get them all in a movie again. And that's on top of getting Christopher Nolan to direct it again. So I don't think there's any potential here. He's pretty much shut the door on it. But I would really just like a little more satisfaction on that ending and kind of open up that world a little bit. So will we see it? Probably not. Would it be cool? Yes. All right, let's go back to the 80s for this one. And I feel like they even teased this a little bit last year with that Super Bowl commercial they did for this. And I'm talking about E.T., so the original came out back in 1982 with a smash hit at the box office. One of the most memorable movies from the 80s. And despite it being such a huge movie across the board in every kind of way, from box office numbers to just nostalgia, there's just never been talks of doing a sequel to this movie. Steven Spielberg did kind of toy with the idea in the late 80s. Even throughout a plot for it where it would be Elliot and his friends being captured by like a group of evil aliens. And then once they're in trouble with those evil aliens, they try to contact E.T. for help. But he kind of set that idea aside, never did that one. But then last year they came out with this Xfinity Super Bowl commercial where it's Elliot all grown up with the family. And it's E.T. comes back into the picture and it was like a four minute commercial that I watched on YouTube and thought, okay, they could actually make a pretty decent sequel here. It's Elliot grown up. You have E.T. back. You throw Drew Barrymore in there again. And I still think that there's something there. Again, I don't think they should remake it. I think it needs to be a part two. And speaking of watching cool things about E.T. on YouTube, the other day I saw this cool audition video for Henry Thomas who played Elliot in the movie. He's a really young kid when he did this. So it's like somebody reading lines to him and he is reacting to the news and he essentially cries on command during this audition. And it's pretty crazy to hear just how great of an actor he is as a kid, like the ability to turn on that emotion and be able to cry in essentially what is like a conference room with all these adults just telling lines at you. Like I couldn't even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at this time in my life. And he is straight up landing an audition and nailing it for a huge movie so i would like to share just a small clip of this video because it's so crazy and at the very end they're like yep you got the job well he's mine and he lives with me and he likes me and he wants to stay here he likes it here but i don't want you to take him away i'll tell my boss that you can keep it that might make your whole day huh might make your whole life huh and then he'd be your friend forever and i wouldn't take him away 
Okay, kid, you got the job. <laughs> All right, let's fast forward now to the 2000s. A guilty pleasure movie of mine, but I'll admit it now. I've loved the movie Mean Girls. It's one of those movies that always happens to be like on TBS or something, and I'll sit down and watch it at any point. And there's always been talks of doing a sequel to this movie, especially since Tina Fey, who wrote it, developed the Broadway musical version of this. It's like, okay, kind of got the characters, the story back. There is some talks there. I've even seen Lindsay Lohan do interviews where she's like, yeah, I would love to do it again. I don't know how much of that is her just needing another source of income or, you know, actually being in talks with somebody to do a sequel. But I think there's some potential there. The thing about this cast is they have all been just radically successful since this movie and have gone on to just and all have really kind of outstanding careers in their own right from Tina Fey, Lindsay Lohan, maybe not so much, but I mean, Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried all went on to become big stars after this more than they already were at this point. And I think they've all kind of voiced interest in doing a sequel. I just kind of wonder where it goes from there. Like it's such a high school movie. And I think that's why everybody loved it so much. And it kind of stands that test of time, you know, being known for that and having that go along with it. I don't know how you make the sequel to Mean Girls 2. But if it happened, I think you'd have everybody back wanting to watch it who loved the original. I think the hard part would be getting teenagers now into it again. Because I don't know how interesting it would be to see like them grown up now. I don't know that the having their kids be in it now would be any interesting. So I don't think this one would work entirely. But if it came out, I would watch it. So I'll put it on this list. All right, one of my favorite Seth Rogen movies was Pineapple Express because it was him and James Franco, and I think they're such a great duo together. And this is one that I remember seeing in theaters and instantly falling in love with. And I know Seth Rogen doesn't really do a whole lot of sequels to his movies, but I felt there's a lot of potential in having Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Danny McBride as a team. And where this movie left off, I think there was some great room here for a sequel. And Seth Rogen actually wanted to make a sequel happen to this. But the reason it was shut down is because it was too expensive. Like he had this whole idea and he pitched this idea to Sony. And Sony was like, you know what? I think you're wanting too much money to produce this movie. We're not into it. So this was actually several years ago he said that he pitched this and they essentially killed the movie in an email. Like over an email, they were like, you know what? Pineapple Express 2, not happening, too expensive to make. I did see he tweeted last week, though. Uh, this is from Seth Rogen. He said, Pineapple Express is back on Netflix. Watch the film the way we intended on your couch while smoking weed. And the reason that's relevant, because if you don't know why this movie is called Pineapple Express, is because it's the name of the strand of weed that's famous in this movie. And the whole reason they get into trouble about this is all because of how distinct it is. They leave it behind. They trace it back to him. And it's a whole thing. And also Seth Rogen is a notorious stoner. So I think that that's why this film kind of fits his personality the best. And it's just my favorite seeing him do this role. And it's also funny to see James Franco play a stoner too. So to know that he was down to do a sequel and there was something there. And just the fact that it got shut down. Definitely had to add it to this list of sequels that never happened. But deserve to. Staying in the comedy world, I think this was probably one of the most unexpected comedy hits because the premise sounds so stupid, but it was so stupid that it worked. It's Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, the movie is Step Brothers. And the reason it's so funny is because they come become Step Brothers in their 40s, maybe even 50s. And it's just so ridiculous, that dynamic, that I think it was kind of an unexpected hit. And for the years that followed after this was a successful movie, they kind of toyed around and threw out the idea of a sequel, but it never really happened. And I think the latest thing I saw 
was in 2017. Will Ferrell was asked about it, and he's like, there's not one in the works. I don't think he would do it anymore. But I kind of still hold on to a little bit of hope that this could happen someday because I think it actually gets funnier as they get older. Like if they get into their 60s and their 70s and they do a Step Brothers 2 with that same dynamic, I think that's still a pretty funny movie. All right, I want to get into some animated movies now. We'll go into the Disney-Pixar realm because Disney and Pixar, I feel unless they're a major, major movie franchise within their umbrella that they don't often get sequels even though people fall in love with these characters you buy all the t-shirts and the toys with these characters you go to disney world disneyland a lot of these movies only have one it's very rare that they get a sequel unless you're like a toy story or like the cars movies for some reason they're very specific on what they decide to make sequels of and like even back in the 90s i remember growing up the like the lion king would come out but then the sequel would be straight to video which was weird And I think now they're just so focused on doing the remakes of the classic movies that we'll see less and less sequels. Even like The Incredibles took years to make the sequel too. So here's some of the ones I thought that should get sequels. Go back to 2009, the Pixar movie that probably made me cry and the one I saw more than once in theaters. I think it was because at the time 3D was kind of a thing, but kind of not really. So the first time I saw it in 3D and then I wanted to experience again without the 3D glasses, which I'm kind of glad that trend is over because... As a guy who wears glasses, it's weird to put on another pair of glasses and it just doesn't feel comfortable. And I don't think the 3D is all that great, but Up was a visually stunning movie and also a very great kind of emotional movie. And not only that, I mean, it got like the Oscar recognition too. So a bunch of people from kids to adults to everybody in between love this movie and have something about it that kind of everybody can find something in it that they enjoy. Like, I loved it, and even my parents, who rarely go to movies, like this movie, too. But here you have an unlikely duo of Carl Fredrickson and the kid in it, Russell. I would like to see them back together again. I think that'd be a great movie to make a sequel to. Again, another Pixar movie that was also oddly emotional and also greatly reviewed was Inside Out. So this movie was all about this girl inside her brain and her body and you get to see all of her feelings again it had all the great makings of a good pixar movie with you know the visuals in it the storytelling and also had a really great cast to where not only were they big you know names in it but their voices actually fit the characters really well which i think is a lot more important than just finding big celebrities to voice an animated movie but the whole story is about a girl named riley and you get to see all of her emotions from joy fear anger disgust and sadness So it's just a great idea, and I think it kind of lends itself to having a sequel because Riley's going to grow up. She's going to experience a whole new set of things. You can find out, you know, what happened in the rest of her life. You can even throw some new emotions in there. I think there's just something to explore here, and it's just such a great kids movie and also one that I think adults like too. So I think they could hit us with another one here. Along those same lines was a movie that Disney put out called Zootopia, which... It was pitched as a kid's movie, but also the kind of overall message and meaning behind the movie had like a whole bigger scope around it. So you're watching, you know, these animals play out, you know, the situation and the story. But the underlying kind of message about the movie was something that we all needed at this point, maybe even more so now. So, you know, it was a you know fun story on the service level, but it also just, you know, dealt with things about prejudice and stereotypes. And if there was really any of a better time to make a sequel to that movie, I think right now it would be pretty impactful. 
they've talked about, you know, constantly doing another one over the years. So I think they could make it happen. And I think everything from the box office success to the Oscar wins. I think this is one they should look into revisiting and get that going. All right, before I get to the movie that I think most deserves a sequel, I'll have some honorable mentions here. You know, I think I haven't seen Will Smith touch into the romantic comedy space in a while. I also really haven't seen him do like a smash hit in kind of a while. So I think to go back and have him and Kevin James pair up together to do a hitch sequel, I think that could be a pretty good honorable mention. I saw a lot of you guys on Twitter tweet about World War Z which they were actually talking about doing a sequel to that movie. And it really wasn't until this year to where they're like, basically, the idea of that is kind of out. I also think the fascination with zombies has kind of dwindled over time. It was very kind of in for a while to do a zombie movie and have everything be about zombies. I think we've kind of gotten over that trend a little bit. So might not be as big of a hit now to do one. But again, that one's probably not happening. Along those same lines, uh, a bunch of people said District 9, which there was a talk to do a sequel to that one. It was going to be called District 10. But aside from it having that title, no other real discussion was ever made about actually doing the movie. Another Pixar mention was Ratatouille, which that's another perfect Pixar movie. And again, so easily lends itself up to a sequel, but never did it. And the one I'm kind of shocked by that they haven't really announced was Moana 2. And I can't believe if they made Wreck-It Ralph 2 breaks the internet that they can't do a Moana 2. And Moana was one that I didn't initially love when I saw it in theaters. I guess I wasn't prepared for a musical, but going back and watching it on Disney Plus recently, I'm like, man, that's a great movie. Like the music kind of hits different now. The story is really great. And visually, that movie is pretty amazing. So I would really like to see another one of those. Throw a Coco 2 in there as well while you're at it. All these great Disney movies, they need a sequel. (laughs) All right, but the movie I personally would most like to see a sequel made of that was at the top of my list when I thought of this topic is Juno. If you don't remember Juno, it's Ellen Page and Michael Sarah, and she gets pregnant as a teenager and decides she wants to put the baby up for adoption. And this is a very mid-2000s movie, and I love it. Visually, it has that kind of look of an indie movie. It's very quirky and funny. Everything from, you know, the costume design to the quotes, to the soundtrack to this movie. You're a part-time lover and a full-time friend. The monkey on your back is the latest trend. I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else but And it's a story to where it's not entirely like a novel or crazy theme, but it's just done so well and kind of makes you wonder what happens after something like this happens. And... I think that could be an entirely different movie of what happens, you know, after she puts the baby up for adoption and, you know, gives it to Jennifer Gardner's character in the movie who ends up having to raise the baby on her own. Like, that's a movie in itself. But also how Juno feels after being pregnant and, you know, not having that kid anymore. I think there's just something there. It would probably be an entirely different movie, but it's something that I would definitely watch and love to see. Even if they did it now and kind of placed her way out of, like where she is now in her life and kind of looking back on that and having some other kind of scenario pop into her life like maybe she has a kid now and decide and you know thinks back on that time i just think there's something really great and special about this movie would have loved to see them do something else and there was a movie that came out on netflix called Tulula with ellen page that was kind of in the same kind of felt like a sequel to this but a kind of in an alternate reality So maybe that's as good as it gets as a sequel now, but one I will definitely keep on my list. All right, I'll take a quick break now, and I want to mention some movies that ended up getting a sequel. 
And it turns out they were terrible. <laughs> and also, I'm going to share my idea for a sequel to a very famous movie. All right, cool. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances, and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now I want to talk about a movie that ended up getting a sequel way later after the original came out, and turns out we didn't want it. Now, it's a movie that I just followed every single time they just teased about it in any kind of interview because I was like, this would make my life. And the movie is Dumb and Dumber. So the original came out in 1994, and it's the story of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn playing two dudes who are total idiots, and you try to decide who is dumb and who's dumber. But the movie was just so quirky and funny. And Jim Carrey got paid a lot of money to do that movie. Made him a massive superstar. And it became so beloved that people were like, where's the sequel to this? And I'd see them get asked in so many interviews about doing a sequel. And then they would even tease stuff here and there. Like, oh yeah, we've been hanging out. They'll appear on you know talk shows together doing something. And I think they both just kind of took different career paths. Jeff Daniels did some more serious stuff. So did Jim Carrey. But it was something 
that always felt like they'd get back to eventually. And I remember the first time they teased that they were actually starting to film for this. They posted like some pictures of them in the costumes again. And I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. And I went to see it in theaters and I was like, this was awful. Because the hard part about doing sequels to comedies is they're going to want to do the same old gags that happened in the original movie so that you kind of relive it. But once you've already been told the joke, it's not really funny again the second time. And also, it was weird seeing them, you know, so much older now acting as dumb as they did. There was just something about this one that it was like, okay, this came out and kind of wish it didn't. It took a little bit away from the original movie. And it's a sequel now that kind of just gets swept under the rug. But I will say that this movie, Dumb and Dumber 2, and that's T.O., was better than the prequel they did, Dumb and Dumberer, which was essentially the story of a young Harry and Lloyd. Because what do they do in that one as well? The same old gags. But what I want to do now is debut a new segment to where I pitch an idea I had for a movie. And it's in the comedy world, kind of had that stature that Dumb and Dumber has, a movie that had a pretty great original one, and maybe now I have the idea of how to turn it into a sequel. Roll that intro music. All right, so this is an idea I had while out on a run, which is usually where I get all my great ideas. Okay, I won't say great just yet, but it's an idea I had for the movie Wedding Crashers. So picture this. It takes place 15 years after the original movie, and it's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Their characters reunite because they've both gone through divorces. You know, the first one ends with them, you know, happily ever after, driving off in this car on the countryside. And you always see these movies end with a perfect ending, and you never see what happens next. You just have to assume that everything else in life ends up perfectly happy, and they stay together forever, and blah, blah, blah. But I say, in the sequel to this, it takes place... They both ended up getting married, but now they're going through divorces. And we're placing this in the year 2020, which I think is important to the plot. And the whole reason this could kind of come back now and maybe have and have a different approach on this sequel, because I think that'll be very important into this next part of the plot I have. So as they're going through divorces, say it's early of this year where everything is still nice and happy and we have no idea what's about to hit and go down in the country. Let's say early March. So they reunite. You know, they're trying to lift their spirits going through these divorces. And they're like, you know what? Let's go back into our old ways. Let's start crashing weddings again. Let's, you know, look up all the weddings happening around us. And for all time's sake, let's see what happens. Can we still pull it off 15 years later? But right as they're about to do this, that's when the coronavirus hits and it shuts down everything. And it makes it impossible for them to crash a wedding. Because everything is canceled and the things that are happening are happening over Zoom. You can't get into these weddings. So they're like... How are we going to do it? We got to crash a wedding one last time. There has to be a way. And that's what the movie is. So again, it's probably rough in the beginning as weddings are pretty much non-existent or very small. But as we've seen kind of happen this year, some people throw all the caution out the window and end up having a big wedding. You know, them battling, wearing masks, getting COVID tests. There's just something here that could be kind of funny and take such a dreary topic of what this year has been and how just kind of a bummer everything has been to Take a kind of funny spin on it. And maybe it's too soon to happen now. I by no means am saying anything from this year is laughable in any way. But I think what comedy is, is finding things that have been difficult and hard to talk about or hard to deal with and finding the funny in them, bringing out humor. So anybody who's listening with the ability to make this happen, I don't ask for any credit for the plot. Just give me a cameo in the movie. All right, there we go. I got an idea for movie. 
right, I want to get into a movie review now. I'm going to review a movie from Netflix. It's an original, and it's a rom-com, which the other day I was just looking for something light and fluffy to watch because I could only take so much of, you know, heavy movies right now or anything super serious, and I'm not opposed to watching a good rom-com. So my girlfriend actually saw this movie pop up, and I was like, you know what? I'm into it. It's And the movie is called Love Guaranteed. Nothing groundbreaking, but could be just what you're needing right now in your life. So before I get into my review of it, here's just a little bit of Love Guaranteed. Hello? Wanted to see if you wanted to go over a couple things. But you're still at work? So? You are not a normal human being. If you were going to name tonight, like, all of your dates, what would my title be? The one I didn't see coming. Susan's not like the rest. Exactly. There are no guarantees in love, Nick. Isn't that what this is all about? So a little bit of a coincidence here that I think at the start of this year, I almost wondered what happened to Rachel Lee Cook. And I even like looked her up on Twitter just to kind of see if she was still doing movies. And it was also, I think recently I heard the Sixpence None the Richer song. Kiss me out of the bearded barley. And it reminded me of the movie She's All That, which you would probably know her best for. She also did like Josie and the Pussycats, but she was pretty big back in the 90s. And it just hasn't really done a whole lot of major movies or TV shows since. Now, I'm not saying she hasn't done anything since. If you look up her IMDb page, there's a lot of credits from that movie to now, but just nothing that you would really remember her for since. So on that front, I was interested to see this movie, just kind of to see her in a rom-com again. But also that, I like Damon Wayans a lot. He was in a movie called Let's Be Cops, which I thought was really funny, and I think he's a great actor. And although I never really got into New Girl, you would probably know him from his character on That Coach. I just think he's a funny guy. So them two together... I think is an interesting kind of pairing in this movie. And I think they come together pretty well and have some pretty good chemistry on screen, which is very important in a rom-com. It has to be believable. You have to be invested in their relationship. So what happens is he tries to sue this dating website that guarantees love, and she runs a small law firm that's kind of struggling. So they decide to take on this case, which is going to be a pretty hefty case because they're going after a big, almost like Facebook-like corporation and trying to hit them with this crazy lawsuit going on basically what is a loophole in their system but in that you discover that Rachel Lee Cook's character is kind of just put all of her time into her job and into running her law firm that she hasn't dated at all online so they're like well if you're gonna represent this guy and go after this dating site you're gonna have to know a little bit about her so her co-workers decide to put her on the site and she even tries out going on some online dates and and then what you would kind of assume to happen next ends up happening. Not ruining anything from the movie. It's essentially in the trailer, but she ends up falling for this guy. But that ends up adding a whole other layer to this case. So that's the overall premise of what this movie's about. Again, nothing groundbreaking here, but it's almost just like a nice little movie palette cleanser. And every now and then we just kind of need something easy and light to watch that makes you laugh. And as far as rom-coms go... It's a pretty decent one. It has the cheesiness you kind of look for, but there's also a little bit something more to the plot. I kind of like what you end up learning about Rachel Lee Cook's character. And there's some funny quirky things about her that is different than a normal rom-com. Another thing I love that I'm kind of getting used to in all the movies I've actually reviewed on this podcast in the recent weeks is that there's kind of a new trend of an hour and a half streaming movie right now that I'm really into. Now, in the theaters, I think my attention span is a little bit more because I am in a setting to where I can focus more on what I'm watching. If I go watch a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie at the theater, 
I'm focused the entire time because you can't have your phone out. You can't really do anything else but watch the movie. But when I'm at home, I get a little distracted a little bit quicker. So an hour and a half movie kind of has a old, kind of has a whole other like value because even if it starts to drag at any point, it's almost over by the time you realize that. So I thought this one was pretty good. I would give it a solid 3.5 out of 5 online dating profiles. All right, so the best trailer I saw come out last week is for a brand new Adam Sandler movie, and it's a Halloween movie coming straight to Netflix on October 7th. Here's just a little bit of the trailer. We got an unsolved mystery here. Dope. I know who did this. Not now, UB. Mayor, I suggest we cancel Halloween immediately. We ain't canceling a damn thing. <laughs> this is some Dateline NBC shit. First of all, it's just crazy to me that Adam Sandler has really found his home on Netflix, putting out these movies to where they're not really the best-reviewed movies, but for some reason Netflix says that they're like some of their most watched and most streamed movies. So he's doing really well over there. They haven't all been, I would say, my favorite Adam Sandler movies. Even the most ridiculous ones, the ridiculous six in particular, fits the name. I found something in it that I kind of like. There's something about how ridiculous his movies are now to where I think he gets a little bit more criticism than he deserves because I still think he's doing what he did back in like the 90s with his movies. But maybe we've all grown up and now find him being a little childish and not being as funny. But his movies still do really well. And I saw this trailer and I actually thought, man, this actually looks pretty good. And there's a couple of reasons why. So it's called Hubie Halloween coming out on October 7th. And right away, what I noticed was the cast on this one. So you have a bunch of kind of his friends back. The usual suspects for uh, Adam Sandler movie like Kevin James, Tim Meadows, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider. They're all in this movie. But then you have some people coming back from his like early career from Happy Gilmore. Julie Bowen is in this movie. Even that old lady from Billy Madison is in this movie. And then you have some other usual suspects like Maya Rudolph, Shaquille O'Neal is in it, Keenan Thompson. So there's a lot of just going into the cast on this one. But aside from that, the trailer actually looks pretty good. While it looks a little bit ridiculous, it's about a character named Hubie. And he lives in Salem, Massachusetts and is just a really big fan of Halloween. And every Halloween, he tries to make sure all the residents of this town celebrate safely and play by the rules. And he's seen as just like a weirdo. But then on this one Halloween, there's like an escaped criminal in town and he actually knows this and is warning people. But because he's, you know, been doing this his whole life, people don't believe him. So I kind of got like an old school goosebumps feel from the trailer. And what I also noticed, it doesn't look as wacky and ridiculous as other like some of his other movies. Like it doesn't look as slapstick as Grown Ups and as dumbed down as some of his other movies. It stylistically almost looks like an episode of Stranger Things. I think even one of the kids from Stranger Things is in this. So it has like an actual cinematic quality to it. It doesn't really look like a live action cartoon like he's used to putting out. And I think also the fact that it takes place during Halloween and there's some monsters in there. I think it has the potential to be a good Halloween hit. But then it also reminds me of what he said after he got that Oscar snub for Uncut Gems that he would return the favor by making his worst movie ever. So I hope that this movie isn't that. But with Adam Sandler, well, you never know. But I just thought that was a cool trailer, maybe one to put on your radar, and one I will definitely review once it comes out. I'm excited for that one, even if it's terrible. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. 
Thanks to you guys for listening. Before I hop out of here, I got to give my Instagram shout out of the week. And this week it is going to at JenJ262, who sent me a really nice message that said she really enjoyed the four-part series that I completed last week. And, and that really meant a lot to me because I did see messages come in after that series was done and that you guys enjoyed that. So if you haven't listened to all those episodes, parts one through four are all up now, just right here on this podcast feed. And hopefully I'll do another new series like that sometime later in the future. But until then, hope you guys have a good week. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next Monday. And until then, later. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.